is there anything sadder, more tragic, more biblically unfair than when you've had a hard day, a long hard day, so you say to yourself, you know what, I fancy a treat, something to pick me up. And you go to the shop and you decide you're going to get yourself a Cornetto, a Cornetto ice cream, a HB Cornetto. And you've got three choices, don't you? You've got strawberry, you've got mint, and you've got chocolate. And you say to yourself, you know what, today I think I'm just going to go for the chocolate, the OG, the original. And you get home, you're looking forward to it, you're salivating, and you sit down on your chair, you unwrap your your cornetto and you start eating. And you're happy for a moment. And then the awful truth sinks in. That the cone is soft. Soggy. Soft and soggy just like your life. Just like your dreams have turned out. Anyway, let's just start the show. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Shane's Brilliant Podcast. I am Shane Clifford, your host. This is the number one podcast in Ireland. Welcome aboard the Shane train. And uh, how are you all getting on? It's good to talk to you. I'll tell you, I am very wet. Wet, I am soaked. I was caught out in that rain. It's Wednesday afternoon and I was caught in that rain. That pissing rain. Because I had to go to Argos. I had to go to Argos in the rain because... Last night, I was walking in the, through the bedroom and I stood on Kira's hair straightener and broke it. So she was upset, but I said, you know what? I'm a gentleman. I will go down tomorrow and get a new one. And we had a bit of a disagreement. And let me, t- I want to ask my listeners what they think of this. Kira thinks... And says that it is my fault that I broke the hair straightener. It's my fault. Not hers, mine. I think the exact opposite, vice versa. I think it's not my fault. She says, you stood on it. It broke your fault. Which logic might might say, okay, logically, that is that, that could be correct. But I say this. The hair straightener was under a towel. On the floor. I stood on the towel. Did not know there was a hair straightener underneath it. And it broke. I say it's Kira's fault. For leaving anything under a towel. Any form of valuable. Under a towel. On the floor. And I'm going to stand on it. I stand on towels. That's what I do. So don't leave anything under a towel. Don't leave a watch. A Rolex. Don't leave your baby. Or a puppy. Or anything under a towel. Because I'm liable to stand on it. So I think it's Kira's fault. So we had a big disagreement over that. 
But I did the gentlemanly thing because I'm a great man and I said, you know what? I'll just buy you. Even though I don't, I disagree with your uh, theory and your thesis that it is my fault. I will uh, still go and buy you a new one because I'm a gentleman, you see. So I will still go and buy you a new one and then I will uh, moan about it on my podcast, <laughs> which is the, the the modern gentleman way. You 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 don't accept responsibility. You fork out the cash and you complain about it on your podcast. That's what all men do in the twenty first <laughs> in the twenty first century. But I got wet. It is wet out there tonight. That's a line from Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, which is a movie from I think nineteen ninety two with a load of great actors about real estate salesmen. And Al Pacino comes in out of a rain into a restaurant and he says that line, It is wet out there tonight. And even though that is a movie full of great lines, and that line is probably the least important one in the whole film, that line has stuck with me for the 20 years since I saw the movie when I was 14 or something. Um, And every time it rains heavily, I hear Al Pacino in my head, which is something that I should probably see somebody about. Um, But anyway, how are you getting on? It is the 11th of November. We're at that, we're at the squeaky bum time when it comes to uh, the Christmas period was nearly upon us, the dreaded, horrible Christmas period. So let's enjoy these three weeks before it starts in earnest and let's, you know, let's bask in the glory of having three weeks of nothing. So the big news this week, of course, is that Donald Trump is gone. He's out. He's got the kibosh, the, he's kaput, he's no more. Get away, Donald, 75 million people said. But worryingly, <laughs> 70 million people still voted for him. Isn't that insane? But that's just America, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, this guy has been showing himself to be corrupt, like overtly corrupt. They're all fucking corrupt, but this guy was overtly, uh, couldn't hide to save his life, you know. And he has been just completely fucking pathetic and incompetent and made America basically a laughing stock in the eyes of the world and 70 million people 70 million people are just like yeah fuck it <laughs> fuck it we like yeah it doesn't matter who cares we hate that's how much we hate um brown people you know what I mean and I'm not saying all Trump uh Trump supporters are racist but I mean, I don't know, are they? I don't know. I mean, you have to understand the guy does have extremely racist tendencies. <laughs> but he's gone. Or, well, he's supposed to be gone. He's not accepting it, of course. We didn't ever really believe he was going to accept it. Because he's a complete narcissist. In his brain, it's not like a political maneuver, this thing. It's not like, you know, Donald, uh, Mr. President, if you deny that you won then maybe we can build keep our base strong you know it's not one of those it's not a political tactic it is because he is he genuinely psychologically cannot believe that he lost like he it's not in his brain that he lost there must they must have stole it they must have stole it reminds me of when i was young and i used to be playing my uncle in uh, fifa and I beat him. And he'd be going, you're cheating. You're cheating. You're not allowed to do skill. How can you do all those skills? That's cheating. Not Megs. Huh? 
step over us. How can you do that? How can you do that? You're cheating, man. You're fucking cheating. Shane, stop cheating. No fucking skills in the next game. That's what it's like. He's like an uncle beating at FIFA and denying it. Uh, or he's like me when I play Kira in Words with Friends and she has she gets like xylophone. Fucking cheating. I'm putting in cat, hat, bat, twat. And she's putting in words like oxymoron. I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> Delete the app from my phone. Or when I'm on a gig and some comedian does better than me, I'm like, fuck off. Telling jokes. Anyone can do that. <laughs> Anyone can do comedy if they tell jokes. You know? And that's what Trump is like, man. He's just... He's not going to accept it no matter what. And the next 11 weeks are going to be interesting because, you know, hopefully he stays away from the nukes. Do whatever you want, Donald. Destroy America from the inside if you want. Destroy their democracy. Doesn't bother me, really. Just stay away from the nukes. And if you are going to nuke anyone, nuke somebody else. And I always said, right? I always said, and this is what he should do, that you, if you want to, if, if he wants to do something outrageous, he should nuke the moon. Always said it. And then he'd put the fear of God into the people of Earth. And they would just accept him as the leader of the free world forever. Nuke the moon. He can do it if he wants. Imagine that, man. You look up at the moon and there's fucking mushroom clouds on it. Imagine how scared you'd be and how you'd say, all right, man, do whatever you fucking want. You know, do whatever you want. Because that's the first thing I'd do if I had nukes. If I was running up for re-election... I'd say, hey, lads, uh, my my opponent has very bad policies, and they might be better than mine, they might be better than mine, he might be able to speak better than me, he might look better than me, he might be a better politician, he might know, he might do better for our country, but listen to this, if he fucking wins, I'm going to nuke the moon. <laughs> Vote for me, and I won't nuke the moon. That would be what I would do. Vote for me, and the moon is non-nuked. And I think there was, I'm going to Google it here. Nuke the moon. Nuke the moon. Project A119, known as a study of lunar. The aim of the project was to detonate a nuclear bomb in the moon, uh, which would help in answering some of the mysteries in planetary astronomy and astrology. The project was never carried out, being cancelled primarily out of fear of a public negative reaction so they said, and because a moon landing would undoubtedly be more popular. So they had two choices. They had, we can either fucking put a man on the moon or we can nuke it. And they went with putting a man on it. How boring is that? Nuke it, man. Fucking nerds putting a man up in the moon when you can just send a nuke, when you can nuke it and it'll be way better. And Donald, this, that's my advice to you, man. Nuke the fucking moon. Okay? Nuke the moon. I know you're a big listener of the show. He's a big listener, big fan of the pod. Friend of the pod, Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, so that's my advice to you, man. Go out there. Just get the, you have the codes. Just fucking say it. Say it. And it's, and you know, it's your fucking, your choice. You can do it. You can nuke anywhere. So if you're going to nuke anywhere, nuke the moon. And, uh, you know, it'll be uh, amazing. But anyway, how are you? How are you getting on, man? I'll tell you something actually that happened on Monday. I went to my local coffee place to get my two cappuccinos and the lady behind the counter who's a Polish lady that I know, uh, she has a name that is very 
close to English, but with a D stuck on the front instead of J. Like Denifer. It's not, I'm not going to say her name, but it's something like, it's kind of like Denifer, Desica. But anyway, she said to me, uh, is it racist to do a Polish accent? Is it? Well, anyway, she said to me, uh, Shane, I'm going to tell you something. This is very secret. And I was like, all right, okay, yeah. She said, there's going to be a vaccine. There's going to be a vaccine for the coronavirus. It's going to be available to everybody maybe about March. We think March. Okay, now this is the woman that works, middle-aged Polish lady that works in the coffee shop. Now, I said, all right, okay, yeah. And in my head, I was going, all right, okay, whatever. Come on, give me my coffee. Because this woman had told me, you know, a few months back that it was imminent that the Americans were going to invade Poland to get into Belarus or something like that. So I took it with a pinch of salt. Very next day, the Tuesday, a vaccine is announced. I was like, go on, Denifer. How in... (laughs) How the hell did she know? This is before it was even in the papers or even on social media. This was the day before in the morning. A, 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 a woman in a coffee shop in Dublin told me top secret information. And it just goes to show that even me, salt of the earth, me, friend of the working man, me, was quick to poo-poo her statement, to look to say, yeah, yeah, kind of dismiss her because she was just a coffee shop uh, employee. She was just a barista. You know, I was like, how is a barista going to know world government Pfizer medical secrets? But they, but people, these are the people we should listen to because they know the truth, evidently. Uh, don't listen to the experts. That's what I'm going to do from now on. I'm going to go into coffee shops, especially if there's Polish people there, and I'm going to ask them, hey, tell me what's going to happen with this whole Trump situation, or tell me what's going to happen with the Irish government. I worked with a lot of Polish people, have a lot of Polish friends, because I work in the supermarket, and a lot of Polish people are employed in Irish supermarkets. And uh, they're fucking, they know. They're hard workers, I'll tell you that. They're fucking hard workers. They make us look, it's embarrassing sometimes. If you have an Irish guy and a Polish guy doing the same job, how hard, how lazy the Irish people are. I mean, we're a nation of lazy bastards. I wonder why that is. Polish people love to work. I think it's just in their, in their culture. Whereas our culture is to try and do as little as possible all the time. And we're both, uh, we're both, we have a lot, us, aside from the, the work ethic, us and Polish people have a lot in common. We are both sort of colonized and subjugated throughout history. And we're both great drinkers, big drinkers, big drinkers, some of the best drinkers, some of the best drink. I can't do Trump, can't do Trump, could, never could. Some of the best drinkers we've ever seen. Uh, some of the best drinkers drinking, ah, fuck it, stop. And these Polish, my Polish friends down in Chile, they taught me how to drink vodka. 
They taught me how to drink it properly. They don't drink it, or they didn't drink it with a with a mixer. They drink vodka raw. Drink vodka, uh, just straight. Which is to us in Ireland, that's like the worst thing you could possibly do. Like, Ugh, what straight vodka? Are you crazy, man? Are you fucking crazy, man? Who are you? But that's what they they do, and they taught me a technique. To, to be able to do it. And I'll tell you now what it is. This is from Polish people. Because if you want to know how to drink vodka, listen to Polish people. It's like us with Guinness. I tell them how to drink Guinness and they tell me how to drink vodka. You know? We know about Guinness. We know everything there is to know about Guinness. Except for when we've had enough. And it's the same with Polish people. And this is the technique, right? You have to get vodka. And you know what they love? They love Hazar. It's the best, apparently. The best you can get in Ireland anyway. And uh, except for that one with the leaf in it. Do you know that vodka? Bison vodka with the leaf. They love that too. I haven't seen that in a long time. Um, So you get the bottle of vodka. Now, what you're supposed to do, what they do is they put the vodka into the freezer for a while. And they put a glass, the glass that you're going to drink the vodka out, into the freezer too. So you want almost ice-cold vodka and ice-cold glass. This is very important. And you pour in the vodka. There's no fucking standard (laughs) in Poland. You just pour it in willy-nilly, whatever you feel like. And you take three deep breaths. And then you knock it back. And I'm telling you, it goes down like silk oysters on a roller coaster made of butter. And I was taught that technique, that blowing out technique, that by a Polish friend, a workmate of mine called Davil. And he uh, has since relocated to Argentina after some trouble with the law. And he has not been seen in the last six years so shout out to you devil wherever you are hopefully you're still alive man and that technique you know the drinking the vodka technique i'm telling you right you're gonna when this lockdown is over you should do it in a pub in an irish pub on a saturday night whenever when the fucking whoever which one ever cunt among you decides to call out shots at five to two did you ever used to do that at like five to two <laughs> did the fucking Place stop serving at two. It's time to go home in five minutes. And you're like, someone goes, what time is it? Oh man, it's five to two. Oh shit. Let's get shots. We have to get shots, man. Like, I've done that loads of times. And it's so stupid because you're not going to get drunk until you're at home asleep. But you spend 50 euro on fucking five and two double vodkas and Red Bull or something. Absolutely ridiculous. But the next time that happens, go... Yeah, so your man goes, here, what you want, man? I'll get you a Sambuca, 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 a tequila. What you want, Shane? I'll have a vodka straight, please. And you should see their fucking eye, their, their jaws drop. You should see the Irish people's jaws drop. You might as well have been the Sasquatch riding in, wearing an Elvis suit on the back of the Loch Ness Monster. Because this is unheard of in Irish culture, drinking straight vodka. You go, vodka, please, on the rocks. It'll be in your obituary. That's how fucking impressive this will be. Especially when you knock it back down and say, yeah, you know what? I like it. I like it. I like it. People, honestly, I've done it. People look at you like you've got four heads, man. 
and it'll be in your obituary. You'll be like, oh, I, uh, <laughs> it'll read, Shane Clifford died today, uh, uh, had a semi-promising uh, potential comedy career, ended by in disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> in 2023 due to a, a well-known scandal but uh, his most impressive feat was his tendency and his propensity for drinking straight vodka night out he said he attributed this to a polish man named davil so anyway that's my uh, that's what we can learn from polish people man when vaccinations are coming and when how to drink vodka and I've been to Poland a few times. I was there for a wedding and I was there just on a trip and it's a great country. And I tell when all this is over, you should go there. I've been to Gdansk a few times. Beautiful place. Baltic, actually, literally on the Baltic. And I've been to what's it called? Krakow. I call it Krakow because I am a pretentious prick. But you probably know it better as Krakow. And you can go there and it's a beautiful town. Beautiful people. Lovely, fucking friendly people. Like they say Irish people are friendly, but these cunts, these Polish people, they're friendly when you're over there. They smile at you on the street. And uh, so that's crack of it. And then you can go to Auschwitz from there, which I went to. And that was obviously a very disturbing experience. But uh, one of the disturb, one of the you know, low down on the disturbing experience, but still disturbing there was seeing people fucking take selfies in front of the gas chambers. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I saw people do that, man. One guy had um, a T-shirt that said, I'm loving it, you know, like McDonald's. And it had a woman's leg spread open like the McDonald's um, arches. And that's what he fucking wore to Auschwitz. The man was saying, where are we going today for, on our trip? We're going to uh, Auschwitz where the, the worst part, it was the death camp the industrial death camp of the Holocaust. Uh, that's where we're going today. So, you know, make sure now and uh, get dressed and get ready. Okay, uh, okay, I was just wondering. Uh, I think I'll wear my I'm loving it with the woman's fanny on it. What do you think? To the... To, <laughs> to Auschwitz? Yeah, yeah, I see no problems with that. That's, that looks like a fucking something that is, you know, acceptable to wear at one of the sites of the most horrible genocides in human history. yes. And then take a selfie in front of the fucking gas chambers. But uh, yeah, Poland, man. I was on the train there and Polish people are very embarrassed about their railway system. Ask any Pole you know. Because it's got trains from like 1953 or something. Soviet trains. and the But I love it because it's got carriages in it. You know what I mean? Carriages. In the carriages. Not carriages. Like little booths. You know, like in an old movie. Like an old American movie. And uh, so, you know, you can feel like you're in a film and you get to sit in with like four other people and you all talk. Now, I obviously don't speak Polish. And I was talking to this old man. I got stuck in there with an old man who must have been in his 70s. And he was talking to me in Polish. And then finally, another woman went, he doesn't understand. He's not not Polish, not Polski. He speaks English. And the old man turned to me and he said, ah, English, I only know two words. I only, he goes, I only know two words, horse, meat. And I was like, <laughs> that's two weird words to know, horse, meat. And then I realized afterwards, no, he was lying, fucking dirty, lying old bastard because he knows more than two words. He knows, I know two words. I know two words, horse, meat. That's six. So never trust a, uh, an old Polish man you meet in a train. 
because they're probably trying to, you know, make a fool of you. Anyway, it is uh, great news about the vaccine. And we're all going to get back to normal by spring, they say, by March, as the lady told me. And we're going to be fucking riding in the streets once more. I am looking forward to it because if you remember maybe three or four podcasts ago, I was very depressed. (laughs) That could be any number of the podcasts, but particularly about stand-up comedy a few weeks ago, I was, oh my God, it's it's done. It's finished. It's never coming back. This coronavirus, COVID-19 bullshit is going to be around forever and I'm never going to be able to get up on a stage again in front of three disinterested Austrians. Ah, Kira. Ah, I was like that to Kira. Ah, <laughs> poor me. People dying, losing relatives, losing <laughs> grandparents, but me. Poor me. I was in one of those moods, you know, where you're feeling really sorry for yourself selfishly. Ah, stand-up comedy is over. Just when I was about to make it as the new, um, the new Al Porter. (laughs) Just when I was about to make it on the big scene. And now I'm like, ah, the vaccine's coming. Oh, great. So now I can... Go out and do uh, stand-up comedy again. Oh, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. What? Ah, Kira, I have to do stand-up comedy again. Going out night after night. Dying in front of those three disinterested Austrians. Those bastards follow me into every fucking gig. <laughs> so, yeah, it's all going to come back to normal. So we're all going to be... They were saying at the start, Joe, when the first lockdown happened, that, oh, the... Once uh, this this, uh, pandemic is finished, we are going to have a changed world. Everyone's going to be nicer to each other. The environment is going to be better. We're going to have less people going to work in offices. There's going to be less traffic. You know, people are going to talk, realize that career and isn't everything. They're going to slow down. Guaranteed, the minute the the vaccine is given to everybody, it's going to go back to fucking chaos. The chaos it was before. Just traffic everywhere. It takes you four hours to get to work. (laughs) You know, the deer and the antelope and the snakes and the, the squirrels are going, ah, for fuck's sake, the cunts are back. Ah, the polar bears on those little, uh, little tiny little icebergs, skinny polar bears. You know, it's going to be all back to normal. We're humans. We can't, you know, we can't be not human, which is to destroy our planet. And uh, which is (laughs) really, I'm really putting a downer on this whole vaccine thing. But no, it's going to be great. Because I've been in, like I said, the smallest flat in the world, even smaller than you just imagined, for the last eight months. And I'm going spare. Spare. Me and my cat. We're doing mind. I'm re- we're reading each other's mind. You know what I mean? I'm having... <laughs> uh, I'm, Kira came into the bedroom and I was just sitting there looking at the corner. looking, Standing in the corner of the wall, singing songs to myself. Um... So it'll be good to get out and to be able to just walk around. Um, I wonder if people are going to keep the masks. Some people should. 
Oh, but it's going to be good. Thank God. Thank God for scientists. Now, if they'd only move on to other important things like curing male pattern baldness, I'm sure they could if they all got behind it in industrial quantities like they did for this vaccination. Or are they ever going to come out with onions that don't make you cry? You know, I'm sick of fucking onions that make you cry. Onions are the nicest thing on the planet to eat. But they they have a defense mechanism that makes you fucking cry. And I hate cutting onions because of that. And Kira, she's like, what do you do? Why don't you? I'm not, I'm not cutting an onion, Kira. Not cutting an onion because it makes me, makes my eyes hurt. <laughs> and she's like, you fucking pussy. Give me the knife. And she does it. But I don't want to cut a vegetable that makes me look like I just found out that my, my pet dog has terminal cancer or something. Why can't you be like the carrot? That's what I say to onions. Anyway, let's move on swiftly. Uh. So yeah, so what have we learned, man? Don't don't fucking look at menial jobs and kind of dismiss them. Like I said, I worked in Tesco for 10 years. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that before. 10 years, a decade. 10 years of my life. Um, and I bet you I learned more about what it is to be human in that job than any fucking hotshot businessman on the financial sector of Dublin or some coked up cunt in Wall Street. You know? And I'll tell you why. Because when you're working in a job where you're, especially in a retail job, a job where you're facing the public, you are dealing with a vast spectrum of people. You're dealing with arseholes, but you're also dealing with nice people. Okay, so when you deal with all these people, you learn from them, you learn from the arseholes, and you learn from the nice people. And it becomes part of who you are. Now, if you are a fucking top big shot guy who wears a suit, runs around the place, fucking selling this and buying that, the only people that you deal with all day long for your whole career are complete and utter arseholes. So that is going to make you an arsehole, because that's who you learn from, other people. That's why all these big shots are arseholes. They all fucking just become arseholes from years of dealing with each other. And for some reason, we're told, and this might sound Marxist to communist, but we are told that in order for us to be happy, this is what we're sold by, I don't know, some Freud's nephew or something like that, according to a documentary I half watched one time. We are sold that in order to be happy, we have to have big careers. We have to be successful financially and have careers. We have to be doctor this or professor that. They are the the happiest people on the planet. But I mean, come on. When I worked in Tesco for 10 years, some of those years were the happiest years of my life. Some of them were marked by major depressive disorder. <laughs> but the other ones were just, the early years were just some of the most relaxed. You get up, you go do your job, and you don't fucking think about it for the rest of the day. You know what I mean? You don't think about it when you go home until you have to get up and go to work again the next day. And you're in there and you have a laugh and it's, all you're, all you're doing, doing is packing up bananas and onions, you know, shaking my fist at them. But it's, it was basically a happy life because the job isn't that stressful. You're making okay money or you might be able to afford a fucking house. 
but you're not having a nervous breakdown every day when you come in from work because you remember that you forgot to do something. You know, <laughs> when you're going, to say, oh, I forgot to put out the milk. You know, no one's going to die or no one's going to lose a thousand euro a minute or whatever the fucking is. It was carefree, happy days. And we're sold this kind of thing that you should go out there and strive to be extremely successful. You know, that's all that we were ever told. If you don't get a degree and get a big, big job and a mortgage and a car, you're a huge failure. I mean, you probably you might be a huge failure, but at least you're probably a lot more relaxed than those people are. If you go into any high office, not high office, but any business where uh, that's doing successfully, and you go up to the top, to the CEOs, even just the lo- the managers, the middle managers, they have no souls. <laughs> they sold their souls long ago, especially like in finance. They have to sell their souls and destroy other people in order to get where they are. It's like, what do they call it? Like It's like um, survival of the fittest. They took those Darwinian ideals and applied them to business. I say like I know what I mean. <laughs> but, you know, I think I'm basically right. You have to destroy other people to get ahead. Whether that's and the most the people that you have to destroy are usually the people that are beneath you and the ladder, or the poor. So, what I'm saying is, if you have a menial job, and I don't even know if the term menial is a proper thing. What does menial mean? Like not hard or something, or not important? These jobs are very important, as this pandemic showed. You know, who gives a fuck about some guy selling real estate? The real important jobs were the fella down the local spar, packing the, packing the, the Yazoo chocolate milk. So if you kind of feel shitty about having a, let's say just for instance, like I did a job in a supermarket, maybe you feel shitty. Don't. Don't. If you're happy doing your your eight to twos, going home the whole afternoon off, not even thinking about what you did at work, about packing bread. You're a lot better off than some fucking guy making 80 grand a year. He might have the cool car and the house, but you're happier than him. Guaranteed, if you go home, play your PlayStation, drink your yops, you are happier than them. <laughs> Like, I made a huge mistake when I was working in Tesco. About five years in, I said, yeah, I'll do management, which is a career. It's a difference between a job and a career. The job, I was happy. I was, you know, had nice friends that I worked with, and I was, uh, didn't give a fuck about work or anything. You know, I didn't care, just had my money, went out and had laugh at my friends, watched my movies, read books, had a nice life. And then I said, you know what, I'll do this management. Next thing you know, I'm doing 60 hour weeks. I have a lot of money for a 23 year old, you know, 30 something grand a year, but that was, which was a lot, still is a lot, but that was a lot, especially when you're 23. But, I was fucking a nervous wreck, man. 
oh, did I do these orders? Oh, did I, you know, tell this person not to come in that day? Oh, did I do this? Because if I didn't, they fucking would come down on me like a ton of bricks. Once you're on the career ladder, once I have that word career, you're fucked. You've sold your soul for the money. And you've sold your nervous system. And you're on one-way ticket to nervous breakdown. All these fucking guys who are up there in the top of companies, they're all soulless. They're all sad. They're all fucking on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And if they're not, I hope they are. (laughs) They should be. (laughs) Because if they're not, they're psychopaths. And they say that, that to some of the people in like high up in government and high up CEOs and all those guys, a lot of them are psychopaths because they don't have fucking nervous systems or they do have nervous systems, but they don't fucking uh, spring into fucking hyper levels whenever they have to give out to somebody. A guy had to fire someone one time. Fire fella. Didn't sleep for fucking days. It wasn't my, I mean, it was kind of my choice. I I don't know if I talked about this before, but I... Had to fire him. And I still have nightmares about it. Because it was for me telling a guy, you don't have a job anymore because of something you did. But it was me doing that for some fucking company that I had no uh, emotional attachment to. You know? What do I give a fuck? So I was in there firing him going, oh man, you know, (laughs) ah shit man, you know, I really didn't want to do it. It's all them. It was all them, man. You know, he ended up going to me. Uh, are you all right? <laughs> he was texting me a few days afterwards going, hey, man, hope you're OK. You know, hope you've gotten over that meeting. <laughs> I don't really know what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is if you're happy wherever you are in your career, quote unquote, fuck these. Because we're sold from ads and TV that the only way you're going to be happy is if you're a millionaire, which you're never going to be. I'm sorry to tell you right now, you're never going to be a millionaire. You might have it in your back of your head and you know, someday I'm going to be a millionaire, man. Or not. Okay? None of you, none of the people listening to this podcast are going to be millionaires. <laughs> none of you, you know, this is a sinking ship. <laughs> none of you are going to be super rich. And if one of you does make it, please, man, just give me 10%. Just send me some money. So that's my point. Just... Accept where you are and if you have no stress in your life, fucking be grateful for it, okay? Because your health, they say health is wealth. No, it really isn't. Money is wealth (laughs) and and, uh, property. That's wealth. But health is good too. Health is better than uh, being rich. Because when you're fucking in your 70s, and there's a guy and you and you've been kind of struggling financially all your life and he's there with his millions and he's only got six months to live because of the hard fucking life he's lived. He traded all in for another six months, guaranteed. So that's my fucking rant for this week about, I don't even know what it was about, but my point is, fuck these cunts. <laughs> Because I look back at shame on myself. Because one time I remember being in a pub and my group of friends was talking to some group of girls were there. Okay. Some college kids. I never went to college in those days. Some college kids were going, oh, 
you know, oh yeah, we're we're, t- we're reading, we're reading Wuthering Heights. You know, I don't know why I put on a fucking Liverpool accent, but we're we're doing all this stuff, and they were like, do you, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I pack bananas. <laughs> I pack bananas. All right, I work in Tesco, and I remember one of the girls looked at me, and she was, her face became clouded over with just sort of concern mixed with disbelief she looked at me and I guess I was about 23 or something at the time and she looked at me and she said still you're still in Tesco and I remember then I started I denied John like the way Peter denied Christ three times I denied myself instead of saying yeah I fucking am working in Tesco who gives a fuck I said I said, oh yeah, but I'm I'm going into management and I'm doing um uh, I'm 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 going traveling next year and I'm then I'm going to go to college. I started making excuses and she was looking at me and she goes, still, you're still in Tesco. And then she said, I'm sorry. And I remember going, being so ashamed of myself when I shouldn't have been because I'm telling you, man, I learned so many lessons in working in a supermarket for ten years, like. I'm trying to think of any um if you really want a good banana go underneath the, the banana section pull out the the drawer get the bananas from in there they're the ripest ones you know or um oh dig deep for mushrooms too because they just pour old mushrooms on top of the new mushrooms um Lots of little tricks that these cunts up in Wall Street and in the financial section don't know. They're going in buying dirty, shitty mushrooms. I have the last laugh. And you see the way humans behave. You learn about human behavior, not psychopaths' behavior. You learn about human behavior. You learn about... You see people waste their lives in supermarkets picking tomatoes. Never understood that either. Um. So, yeah. So... Um, just be thankful for wherever you are. And I don't think any rich people listen to this podcast. <laughs> if you do, join the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Shane's Brilliant Podcast. Uh, I'll tell you, there's some ba- bad films coming out soon. Did you see? I saw three trailers. I think they all look terrible. There's the film, what's it called? Stardust. About David Bowie. You should see the trailer for this, man. You know, there's all these new movies that are um, biographies about uh, musicians. So you had Bohemian Rhapsody. Did I win an Oscar? Your man won the Oscar for acting as Freddie Mercury. That was one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. It was absolutely catastrophically bad. It was fucking awful, man. I could have made a better movie about... I mean, first of all, people are like, oh, he, there wasn't enough gay sex in it. That's what I've seen that complaint. There was no gay sex in it. But I mean, you don't show, like if you made a film about Elvis, you wouldn't show a lot of sex in that, would you? So that's a kind of a stupid argument against Bohemian Rhapsody. But the the main argument against it is it's a terrible film, terrible music, because Queen are shit, and terrible editing. Everything about it was awful. And uh, Rocket Man, the Elton John one, that was okay. I like that because it's a bit different. It's a musical, and 
What else is there? But they have this David Bowie one come out now based on the success of Bohemian Rhapsody and that other Rocket Man. And it looks fucking awful. The guy doesn't look like David Bowie. You can tell that they're wearing terrible wigs. They've got awful English accents. Uh, Bowie, uh, I think for me, I, I I like Bowie. I like, really like him. But for me, Bowie is more of a greatest hits kind of guy. You know, I don't, I can never really get through his albums. Uh, but beside the point, even though he's got some great music, some really, really great music, Life and Mars, what a fucking song. He, the film is unofficial, so there's no David Bowie music in it. It's going to be like one of those, I don't know if you've ever seen those Beatles, um, like made for TV, TV movies of the 90s. <laughs> and they're awful, they're funny to watch because they're so badly acted and the bad accents, you know, they should have got me to do the dubbing in it. Hey, John, how's it going? Ah, oh, me name's John Lennon, you know, we're from Liverpool. <laughs> That's actually how they talk in those films. But there's no music in them, just kind of vaguely beatly sounding music and that's what they're going to have to do for this David Bowie film that's coming out are they going to have him singing songs like I'm a star fella <laughs> you know we we are the heroic people of the universe they're going to have to just have these kind of vaguely David Bowie songs that looks terrible there is this other film that came or said uh, ad that I saw which is called Fat Man, and it is Mel Gibson is playing Santa Claus, and he is, it's an action movie, him versus a guy who wants to kill him. And look up the trailer for that; it looks absolutely fucking atrocious, terrible idea. Mel Gibson as a depressed Santa Claus shooting people up actually it sounds like it could be a good idea. <laughs> if you want anyone to be a depressed Santa that goes on a, ki- on a on a fucking killing spree, Mel Gibson is your man. But that looks absolutely atrocious. And I saw the trailer for this one, Mo- Wild Mountain Time, which is a film set in Ireland. You've probably seen it because I think it's been all over social media. And it's an American movie based in Ireland. One of those things based in Ireland it's not actually Ireland at all if you look at it it's <laughs> you know it's some it's I've never seen Ireland like this and they have all American actors in it they've got Christopher Walken as an Irishman top of the morning to you <laughs> it's the worst Christopher Walken I, I do as bad a Christopher Walken impression as he does an Irish accent Top of the morning to you, Christopher Walken. Oh, awful, Jesus. Uh, but he's a fucking friend. What, what are they thinking, man? Him, Jamie Doran. Is that his name? The guy from The Sexy Rapist from The Fall. What? And he's in the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. He He is Irish. You should see this fucking trailer. It's one of these, like, American visions of Ireland that they sell for... That they people think they're going to get when they come to fucking Tralee and they just see graffiti and <laughs> just grey buildings and rain. You know, this is the shit that they see and they think they're going to get that when they come over here. Um, But Jamie Dornan is Irish. He's from the north, I think. And he can't even do an Irish accent. It's the worst. He can't even do an accent from the own his own fucking country. 
And then they have Emily Blunt playing an Irish Colleen. And I love Emily Blunt, let me tell you. Emily Blunt is on my list. Me and Kira have those lists that a lot of couples have. Where, you know, if you ever get the chance to meet one of these people on your list, five people, you are allowed to go off with them. <laughs> uh, and Emily Blunt is on mine. Kira has, um, who's Kira on Kira's list? Fucking, do you know what she put on her list, man? The last thing that made me sick. Made me fucking sick. I was like, what? I mean, it's your list. It's your fucking list, Kira, but... I have to say I strongly, strongly disagree with you here. And she had Lin-Manuel Miranda, the guy who wrote and uh, starred in the movie, the thing Hamilton. I mean, I just, I just don't understand women, I suppose. And, but look, she's on the list. I have Emma, Emily Blunt is on my list. She's, I, I like Emily Blunt. I like her a lot. I like her a lot. But she is an Irish Colleen in this movie. Like an old mayor, like a girl called Mary or something. And she sings lovely Irish songs and she wears a shawl. And this is set in the year 2020. She's got red hair. I mean, why? Like, I don't mind. I think it's funny. But what? I mean, it's probably good for the Irish tourism industry because it's going to be a big hit in America, probably. And, uh, Irish people are going to look at this and go, our American, Irish Americans are going to look at this and go, oh my God, I got to go back to the the homeland, back to the, back to the mother country, you know, meet a nice Irish Colleen. And they're going to be so disappointed (laughs) to get here. They're going to either go to Kerry and go to places like Tralee and fucking Listole or go to, you know, Connacht. I mean, who wants to go to Connacht? There was a thing back in the when uh, Oliver Cromwell was invading Ireland and they were doing the plantations and all that stuff. He said uh, to people that he was going to kill, I think. I don't know, really, but he's, this is the phrase. He said, to hell or to Connacht, you've got two choices. <laughs> like, you would think that people would pick Connacht, but apparently a lot of them said, fuck that, man, kill me. I want to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go. To, I don't want to go to Mayo or Sligo or fucking even Galway, man. All those hippies. Send me to hell. Hell has no hippies. But you'd think, I mean, people would realize by now that this is bullshit. Like this art, this fake, this movie Ireland. You know what I mean? This movie Ireland from the nineteen thirties is not real. Um. But if you know, why don't they make one of norm of the the way modern Ireland is now, romantic current Ireland, where it's just cappuccinos and Tinder, and you know, cocaine and rich people doing cocaine in Dublin nightclubs. Why don't they do that? Make a romantic comedy about that and gangland slayings. <laughs> You know, in cash for golds. Why don't they fucking do that? But yeah, you should look up the trailer. Wild Mountain Thyme. And even the fucking name of the thing. Wild Mountain Thyme. That's supposed, it's an old Scottish song. It's not even an Irish song. When's the last time you saw a woman under the age of 30 wearing a shawl? 
And when's the last time you saw any woman wearing a shawl? You know? Well, I get Kira to wear a shawl as part of our, our sexual role play. <laughs> and what happens is I'm, I come in to the room and she has on the shawl and I play the American who's come in to take the land. I'm like, hey, is your name Kira? She's like, ah, oh, it, it, it is to be sure, to be sure. And I say, I'm here to take your land. And she goes, ah, oh. well, I'm not going to get into the details that you imagine that yourself. But let's just say that um, fun is had by all. <laughs> let's just say I don't leave with the land. Let's just leave it at that. So, yeah, check that out. Wild Mountain Time, I think it's called. And uh, it looks like it's going to be absolutely horrible. Three horrible films for you there to look for in the future. Um, I'm trying to think of any, do I have anything else to say? I don't. Sorry for this week. It was just an extended rant uh, about onions. Apparently was in there somewhere. But until next week, if you want to sign up to the Patreon, support the show, the number one show in Ireland. It's doing very well on the Patreon. Huge numbers, huge. Biggest we've ever seen. Then sign up at Shane's Brilliant Podcast. Patreon.com forward slash Shane's Brilliant Podcast. And follow me on Instagram at Brilliant Shane. Don't, don't bother following me on Twitter because I'm not there. But if do if you want. But, you know, I wouldn't. Um, so until next week, may God have mercy on you all. Uh, cheers, nice one. Thanks. Stay dry and hob knob. <laughs>